Hello, hi, how's it going? Uh, welcome to the Social Sanctuary Series 2, Episode 3. Today I'm talking to Sean Dorman, level designer, environment artist and world builder. Sean is based in London. Um, he's an experienced video game developer with over four years of professional in-house experience in the games industry as a level designer and an environment artist. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today, Sean. Um, Could you tell the listeners a little bit more about what you do and how you got into your career today? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Sean Gorman. I work as a level designer at Endreams. Um, and before that as well, I'd worked as an environment artist inside of a video games industry for the two of those different jobs. I've sidestepped from art role into design, but broader terms, I've worked inside of 3D modeling software, inside of games engines to bring some of those spaces that we see inside of uh, the video game titles that we all enjoy, bring them to life and make them a lot more believable. That's that's the most, most broadest, simple explanation of what I do. Have you found that it's been challenging to adapt to the different areas of design that you've done throughout your career or has it been more of a natural transition Um, because I know you've had lots of different design roles. It was first of all I would start training like through higher education training inside of environment art roles particularly and and there is like where I learned a lot of the software that took me forward, then landing me a job, first of all, in architectural visualization, which is, seems like very similar. It's like uh, they work in the same sort of software, the same uh, tech that is used there, Unreal Engine, 3DS Max, uh, all of that, which is used to create all of their virtual reality software and visualize what their like hotel apartments would look like or anything from museums, anything uh, that the architects would need to better sell their estates. Um, and yeah, so that was one of my first experiences there. And then that experience can carry forward into a number of different industries. Naturally, it can go when you're working inside of games engines, you'd think, yes, it goes into games, but it also goes into for automotive industry. Uh, I've worked at BMW in the past and they do just the same. They use Unreal Engine for their real-time stuff and so I could name a film as well if the Mandalorian people watch that TV show see that all the behind the scenes all of those those kind of like 360 backdrops rather than green screens it's all through like a massive LCD like screen all rendered inside of Unreal Engine so this, the skills and the technology that I learned is applicable in loads of different industries as well as different departments it's just the you're looking at um, creating in a different way so where I worked inside of art roles for a while and then moved almost like a sidestep into design and that meant I would just be focusing more on function as opposed to form. An artist is yes it needs to uh, look good but it needs to match the design that the the designers give them so it it still needs to complement the function and look, look pretty. But as a designer, you're not really thinking so much about form. You're thinking, how does this work? What are the actions? What are the verbs that you're doing inside of this space that you're creating? Can I run? Can I swim? Can I shoot? Uh, yeah. And so on. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a sidestep. But that's that's a coverage, I suppose, from, from the very beginning to where I am now. Amazing. So you've worked on quite a number of different projects as well, haven't you? So 
you've got quite a varied portfolio. Could you tell us more about any recent projects that you've worked on or some of your favorite projects to work on today? It's almost like a, a little bit of a curse where like if you're a video game developer, anything that you're working on for likely for a while is it's a it's a hush hush, can't say anything. <laughs> One of the recent projects that I'd worked on, which was was quite exciting, was the previous company I worked at a studio, uh, Rocksteady in London. Um, they were working on a Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, and that was quite a, quite a cool title to work on. I can't speak too much about it, but they announced that last year after working on that for almost, I'd say, it's about two and a half years there as an artist. That was exciting, and that was a, that was a very positive experience for me personally. Being a big fan of the games that they've made in the past, yeah. Rocksteady made all of the. Uh, I'm not sure if you played them too, but all of the Arkham Asylum, Arkham, Arkham Knight, all those big be the Batman games. So it was. Yeah, I used to love playing those, so I can't mm. wait to um, see what the Suicide Squad um, game is like too. But you can't wait to see the the finished game when it's released. Yeah, certainly. So what's a a typical day like for you um, as a level designer at the moment? Because I know that the hours can be quite long and you have to flex your schedule to meet Mm. the demand of the development. Sometimes, like, um, yeah, like they're going into... Do you mean like going into sort of crunch and like it's a yeah. regarded that working inside of video games you work quite long hours? I'd say yeah, that's usually true, um, especially true over what here in the states and like what's asked of people who work inside of that industry. Those who aren't excluded as to what Harvey mentioned, yeah, sometimes people are asked to work overtime or, or, or crunch time yeah. uh, to to meet the demands of the project. Um, but in my role, I actually don't have that problem. Um, which is is quite positive. It's a company that I'm working for who I would say who who plan around those sort of problems that send, tend to persist across projects. Uh, they don't believe that crunch is something that they should. Uh, they don't welcome it at all, and they they plan around it as best they can. So, yeah, I mean, I've even worked another hour or two after work off of my own time. I was enjoying what I was doing, and then I was told, "Hey, go home!" <laughs> like, don't you know? <laughs> and we're working from home, so but no, they value. Uh, the value of the time that people give them and they just want their hours and then after that enjoy your free time because it's important isn't it that you have that time to relax but it is yeah um i know that you game a lot as well in your free time but is there anything that you like to do to switch off in the evenings with kind of being in front of the screen all day Mm -hmm. You need something to step away from it, right? Uh, I don't know about you. I stand behind this, or I sit behind the screen for maybe a good nine hours a day, like eight to nine hours a day working, like with some breaks, of course, but it's a lot of time. It's a stress on the eyes. And so doing that for so long and games being the same thing outside of work too, I do find myself trying to find something to take me away from the screen. And it was when it was, especially pre-COVID, it was playing board games with friends outside of work. That was that was something that I really enjoyed. We would play particularly, go out and play, um, it was a game called Kill Team. So it's by Games Workshop, Warhammer 40,000 Kill Team. And we'd sit down with a few friends and just play that. That was fun. Uh, but mainly, mainly D&D and Dungeons and Dragons. It'd be a nice little meetup that they had in Covent Garden. And that was something to get you away from the telly, get you away from the screen, get you out and speak to people and socialize. What about yourself as well? If there's any, uh, any, anything that keeps you away from the screen? 
Yeah, I mean, I do find myself always drawn back to the screen with with TV and games, but I've been trying to get into more reading through lockdown and also just getting out for as many walks as I can. And like in, in normal times, I, I would be out and about quite a bit the weekend, but yeah, it is difficult. Like you said, you find that you have the same cycle of activity over and over again. Yeah, I know how you feel. And and so just trying to break that, right? Break that routine and create something that's memorable, that is different from the last week to blends into one after does, being yeah. stuck indoors for almost 12 months. <laughs> but yeah, I do find myself coming back to games often uh, and I do enjoy playing games in my spare time. And also just be creative as well. Playing games is is one way of relaxing, but I, I can invest a lot of time into that and too much, one might say, in, a, in, <laughs> in my past. Yeah. So I tried creating something for myself, like as a personal project. And a lot of people do that working inside this industry too. Mm-hmm. Either put on their portfolio or share with others. And, you know, and just like you're doing here as well, like a podcast, you're able to communicate, all that sort of stuff I think is really healthy. Yeah, it's nice to have something that's external from work to share. And I know that you've developed quite a nice Twitter community as well. And you use the platform a lot to encourage other designers and to give feedback and build relationships. Was that always your intention or is it something that you've just found that is a really useful tool for you over time? Yeah, like Twitter is a different... It's a different beast by the person that like handles it. Some treat it like a diary, don't they? And then and yeah. others will comment and it sort of feeds into that. And I mean, I think I looked at that, that whole site like that in that same sort of realm of view for a while when I first started, maybe however long ago that was uh, on Twitter. But uh, yeah, and then it changed over time, especially then as I got through like university, I started to then go into like, the real world yeah and then I, yeah i found i was tired of seeing it become just a battleground of like ideas and people like shouting at each other and i really i really don't like that and occasionally you'll see that and i wouldn't say chime in but when something like egregious happens you're oh no but uh yeah i've i found that connecting to other people inside of the same industry as me especially as well aspiring like developers, whether that's artists, students that, and they would ask you for like advice or like, how could you help them in some way? That's been really positive. And so that community has been brilliant. And especially in this last year, it's been very supportive and I've tried my best to then give back. And that's why I enjoy talking in that community and and, uh, engaging with them as best I can. Uh, I start writing articles outside of that to then share there in case anyone else um, read them and that helped them talking about my background to help others. So yeah, I I think I'm I'm quite happy with it. And that is the intention. And it has been for the maybe the last three or four years, I'd say, to just continue that and keep growing that not necessarily around me, but around the right people too. Like I, I don't, have a massive following i don't aim to have a huge following but if i can push people looking to learn in the right direction job done that's lovely and um would you say that you found it hard to get into the industry um as a student and the reason that you share so much feedback is maybe because you wish you'd had it yourself in part like this may be a good analysis it might also be like where i was at university 
especially in my first year, I, I joined the university without any like really free 3D background. I joined as a, as an artist, like a, a traditional artist. I was terrible working with computers. I had no prior knowledge with like modeling software before university. Uh, and so in that first year, it was crucial that I found mentors, should I say, like people who could really help me and, and answer some questions that, um, that others might have already um, had answered for them, whether it was a college or whatever. I found a few, I say, good eggs that were very helpful. They gave me some very yeah. handy advice. Uh, and then I tried over the next, I'd say those two years, those first two years of university to, to, the, to meet their criteria and, and to meet that high standard they'd set. And, and yeah, and then from there on, like, especially at the end of university, found not as much support. You're now the person who should be providing support for the first years. They had that sort of system there. So yeah. I could, and I recognize that other people coming from universities didn't have the same experience as me, that they didn't have those mentors or they struggled to ask those questions or they didn't really know what questions it was that they needed to ask or um, if they're looking in the right direction. And so I'm just, yeah trying my best to give back. Uh, I believe very strongly or pay it forward. And I'm in a good place. I'm in a good situation. I'm very lucky. Uh, and I've worked hard to get here, but I am lucky. And so trying to give a, a hand back and, and help others uh, if, they, if they do need it. So whether that was a post on Twitter going, hey, anyone who asks for feedback in this next like 48 hours, I will write like yeah. detailed feedback to every single person. <laughs> and I think I wrote something close to like 70, 70 people wrote to me and I wrote, every one of them a portfolio review it took me like days <laughs> i did see when you yeah when you last posted that i saw how many responses you'd got and i thought <laughs> that'll take you a while to get through those but it's uh, really kind that you replied to each and every person and was there any games or designers that inspired you to um like pursue a career in games development or art and design was there anything that just made you think yeah that's what i want to do mm, i guess that i'll answer that in levels real quick um so early on like we talking like not it's not childhood but like teens you're in school and you're looking at this sort of stuff yeah ever since school it's been the need to tell stories uh, and i felt stories are best told well like whether you have the most opportunity to embrace the technology uh, and, the, and the actual experience as opposed to just the visual medium. It's an interactive medium and that is in games. So um, when I learned that, so that's the first step. And then I learned maybe at about college that there are people who do this as a job. And you know, like, sure, games are a thing. People must work inside of that industry as a job to make said thing. But I didn't really put two and two together that I could be the person who did that, right? It seemed yeah. far off, as you said at the very beginning. It's a rare opportunity. Uh, it, it's not common. It's not a, a, a common job that you one might have to work inside a game. So when I learned, I think it was through, uh, there's an artist called John Sweeney. There was another one called Mark Molnar, um, really, really talented concept artists. And you have uh, Feng Zhu. Concept artists are the guys that would be like illustrators, essentially, but uh, yeah. the most broadest definition of their uh, of their role. Uh, and they work as artists who give more of an impression of what the games maybe look like at the very beginning. You have loads of those for like Star Wars. For any, any book, I've, I've got whole books stacked with concept art down there. And that's where I learned at first that maybe this could be a thing. And then step, 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 I went from 
learning just arts and then from traditional arts, then the digital art, then 3D arts, and then from 3D art to design. It's been quite a journey, I guess, for you to get to where you are. When I was in school, anyone who said that they wanted to work in in games development, it was always like, oh, no, you, you can't do that. That's not a, a real job. I know that careers advice has changed quite a bit in recent years, but it was always one of those things that was just always made out to be ridiculous when you said it. So Yeah, certainly. And then maybe even still now, like uh, the problem that we see with this industry at the moment is uh, like as a whole, and that was one that the, the industry as a whole is trying to deal with is there's not many women inside of the industry. It was and has been for, yeah. well, it's not now as much as it used to. It's getting better, but it always was regarded as a male dominated industry. I believe that starts in like education. You have to change that. Now me as a, even as a kid, as a, as a guy, as a kid, then I even at school was never told this was a career path that I could follow. It seemed like, a, yeah, uh, like you just said, no way is that yeah. a career job. Um, <laughs> Uh, and knowing like uh, female friends who also work in the same industry, that that was the same for them and some, you know? So there's a sort of stigma around it that maybe um, the generation above us sort of believe that it's just, you just play games all day. That's not a real job and you can't make yeah. money or a lifestyle out of that. No, and that's not true. <laughs> and it hasn't been true for a while. So um, yeah, it's been trying also to, to get rid of that stigma and so the industry is trying to like shed its skin and grow and it's 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 moving in the direction right direction for that but i think yeah it starts with education and certainly at school i learned that i had people in in college even to tell me that no way you're gonna that's not a job like and just give up just give up but no don't listen to them you do a lot of talks in in colleges and, and universities when you can as well don't you to share mm. your experience experiences yeah we did that a couple of times um yeah whether it was like doing it in person or online those are really yeah. fun because you can really then connect with the actual people themselves and and and, uh, and the students will show you their work and give them feedback but yeah i've done that in the past yeah i guess it's um important for people to know that it, it is a real job and they've got just as much chance as anyone else of getting to where they want to be so like you said, it's just changing that that education, letting everyone know, I guess, that, that they can go into games development if they want. It was always the same with anyone who wanted to be a footballer. It was just one of those things that they said, oh, no, you can't, can't do that. I'd love to be able to connect the two there with footballer and game developer, especially the money. Like, if, yeah, like if I could connect yeah. any of <laughs> my career <laughs> yeah. to, to football, <laughs> earning multi-millions, but uh, that's far from the case, no. But yes, yeah. it is, it's, like a, it's whimsical, right? It seems like a fantasy. Yeah. No way is that achievable. And it's because mainly the people who are telling you that haven't done it they, they don't really know of a path to get there yeah. uh, themselves because it's so new uh, and so in the last couple of years as well especially universities there's been loads of courses that have popped up um, and you can just tell by looking at the framework that those courses that have laid out for their own uh, teaching standards their qualification everything they they, they themselves mm-hmm. don't even know what they're teaching um, so that's also quite a, a, a another end of that stick uh, and you get three yeah. years through that whole course and you won't have learned how to get the job you, you think you've been trained for compared to someone else who went to a different course who learned the right thing from you know but anyway it's a stigma and it'll something that will change with time and it's something that i i find very important and 
one of the very uh, next things I'm looking to do once once all this is over, my because my my mum works at the school that I went to, the secondary school that I went to when I was a kid. So I'd love to. The teachers there have asked um, me a couple of times if I'd like to go back pre-COVID and all this. And so yeah, I think that would be something that I'd like to do. Just because you can then go back to the very source, tell those kids, yes, that though working in tech, yeah, um, is um, is something that is absolutely doable, and show them some sort of soft skills that they could they could use that will help them down the line. Yeah. Doesn't mean they need to have like a super rig, you know, like the the stuff that me and you do. We might need quite high tech computers that a school might not necessarily have, but yeah, just some soft skills at the very least. Exactly, and knowing how those can be transferred into that role as well yes lots of us have spent so much time gaming during lockdown like we mentioned briefly earlier have there been any of like games that have stood out that you've loved just escaping with um since lockdown started well since lockdown um i suppose i've played a couple of games over lockdown like that i haven't played before that um, but I do find myself like returning. It's weird, like as opposed to maybe watching a new movie or playing a new game. Sometimes I'll actually play the same game and then I'll watch the same movie again. Um, I don't yeah. know, maybe it's like a safety thing. I feel safe doing that. I know I'll enjoy it. So I did play a couple of games I've finished in the past or they've been remastered. So the Master Chief Collection was one. So the, the Halo titles, uh, that would be, uh, be one. Ghost of Tsushima, those are cool. And then, and certainly, I have to give a big hands up to one of my favourite games. Is this guy up here? Is the The Witcher Three, and that, that's a masterclass RPG. Um, so yeah, I played that over lockdown. But certainly, those are those are just to name a few. How about yourself? Um, it's interesting you said about going back to films and games that you played before, because that's exactly what I did, and I think <laughs> that feeling of like when times were were normal i guess nostalgia as well that's why yeah. i found myself going back to older games but like at the start of lockdown i i revisited the sims family i'd made like three <laughs> years ago <laughs> they were all still alive thankfully but <laughs> um and then just just gone back to to play some old games that i loved like red dead redemption and, mm. and things like that yeah, that's the next one on my list. That little spin the wheel. I had a whole backlog of games that I need to play. And yeah, it went off for like a randomizer and Red Dead's the next one. One that I've just held on to. Keep safe. I know it's a game that yeah. I enjoy, but I'll find the right moment for it. And so that's the next one on the cards. Yeah. But there's something right, like there's something psychologically there, right? About just returning to something that you're you you know you'll enjoy as opposed to trying something and maybe chancing it. There's something there. I don't know what it is, but I, I do this often and I watch, I yeah. watch music, uh, watch, watch movies. Like people listen to music. I could, I don't even need to watch them. I'll have them on in the background. I'd have seen them maybe 10 other times before, but it's something like relaxing for me that I do. And sometimes the same Definitely. with games that I play too. Yeah. I think it's, it's that feeling of, of knowing, like you said, cause it's, I'd always rather go back to something than start something new on, on most occasions. And it's impossible to keep up with all the new releases anyway. Like you can never get the time to play play everything. Yeah, it has to be quite remarkable enough enough for that you uh, you make the jump. 
And then sometimes as well, the very opposite of that, I get enough people who say, you've got to try this, you have to try this, and that I just get a little bit bogged down from, and I, and I avoid them. Like Red Dead is an example. So many people say good things about it that I said, you know what? I'll play it when I get there. I'll get there when I get there. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's not, so it doesn't become too overhyped and I can enjoy it on my own terms. Are there any upcoming releases that you are excited to play? Maybe Suicide Squad, but other than that... Um, certainly one. Then... Yeah, but uh, I know that you've got this next generation of consoles now coming uh, coming forward. There's that slow transition into like the next step. Um, so some companies and studios, they're a little bit... Uh, I say hesitant, but they're looking into the new software capabilities and they might still have to support previous consoles. So it's like a little bit of a lag, like a little bit of a delay. Looking at the rest of this year, uh, nothing springs to mind, like immediately to mind to go, that's one I'm really like so excited for. Yeah, I'd say God of War. There's a new God of War coming out. There's a new Resident Evil, which was just shown. And they look really yeah, cool. Yeah, I that. That um, looked great. But yeah, certainly, because this is always the case when the, the new consoles come out, next generation, there's just a little bit of time, just a little bit of wiggle room. And then after everyone's comfortable again, studios, I mean, when they're comfortable with the software and what they're doing, then they start yeah. to then release their new stuff. So whether that's Gorilla and Horizon or, yeah, any of the others that we've listed too. Yeah. So uh, one or two. Yeah. Any you, any uh, yourself that you're looking forward to playing? Well, yeah, like you said, it's that slow transition um, period and I've not picked up a next-gen console yet. So it's, uh, I think I'm waiting to see what what titles are announced and then I'll, I'll maybe move over to one of the new consoles. But yeah, there, d- there doesn't seem to be a lot that's, that's upcoming at the moment, really. Yeah, like a system seller, like something that you need to yeah. get in order, in order to, to play that game. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm looking forward to playing those games and seeing what those are. Yeah, but that'll, that'll be very soon. And I'm sure I'll, I'll step into that next generation. I've got my PC, though. I've got, I could, you know, so... <laughs> I can easily settle into all the PC games I've got. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, actually, are you more of a console or PC gamer? But I gathered that you were maybe more PC. (laughs) I started with... Uh, with console so i'm yeah i'm probably the worst where i play play my games on pc with a controller like and and with a <laughs> with a playstation controller so i'm like that's what i'm used to yeah oh no i could never get to grips with a, a gaming keyboard i just didn't know where anything was so Too many to finish off um it's been Great chatting to you today, Sean. Um, if you could give your thirteen-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? I might have said this before, but I'll, I'll say it here because it bears mentioning. It might be work smart, not work hard. Like um, working, maybe I've done this in the past, like through the night, like crazy hours. Like you work from all the way through to the day, all the way through to the evening, and you wake up in the morning and you're just dead. Like you can't put. And put the day together and you might have done a lot of work in the day before but it's just ruined you so um you can only do that so much before you burn out and i learned that the hard way and it does change you as a cat as like your character so i would say yeah you look back and going forward work smart not hard um, it just means finding the right hours in the day in which you can work and work optimally and then finding time for yourself to then relax and 
and that's that's just a better way of a better way of being. Have a better relationship with your family, better relationship with your friends, better working relationship with your colleagues, and just all around a better person. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I would say. Definitely, that's great advice. Yeah, I've been the same before, and like you said, it's it's okay having one really productive day, but then you're just exhausted the next day, so it cancels it out anyway. Yeah, exactly right. And you've got to be careful on that sort of stuff, with, with, uh, whether it's crunching inside of any kind of studio, in particularly games and A, and, um, and if there's a particular deadline you need to meet. I mean, if it's not possible that you can reach that deadline uh, without like working yourself to the very bone, maybe you just got to examine that deadline if it's something you can ask for more time or, yeah. or just more achievable things like that. So there's, there's a ton of advice I'd give that 13-year-old kid, but that'd be one for sure. Brilliant. Thank you. And where can we find out more about you? Well, thanks for having me, Harvey. You know, I've been paying attention to what you've been doing on this podcast a while. And so, uh, yeah, um, thank you for the invitation. And um, yeah, if, if you wanted to find out more about me or follow any of my progress through this crazy little games industry that I work in, you can find me on Twitter at GormanDev or online on my uh, blog and my portfolio, which is GormanDev.com. It was fascinating to hear about Sean's journey into the world of video games development. I really loved today's episode and some important topics raised there too. I've left a link to Sean's portfolio website in the show notes, um, which I built for him last year. And also, I've included a link to Sean's current studio and dreams where you can find out more about the games that he's working on and developing at the moment. I look forward to seeing you next time for another episode of The Social Sanctuary. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Social Sanctuary Podcast. And if you're enjoying the show, why not subscribe and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts? It would help me out massively. Mm-hmm.